All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Fix Your Franchise. Just, fix it. You know, oh, fix it. Just three average guys being above average GMs. And by above average, we mean like way above average. We're talking all-star level, perennial pro bowlers as far as GMs go. So, as always, to my right, I got Big Tongue. I'm your boy, Adam Dirty. And then the mastermind of it all, the one, the only, Coach Red coming in as well. Today, we are covering more playoff teams. So, you know, now, now there's not so much of fixing things as much as getting better enough to, like, make it to the next, that next level. So we're doing the Cleveland Browns. Used to be the worst team the embarrassment of the nfl and they made the playoffs they got a playoff win they they really made some big leaps last year that honestly surprised me um so we're gonna go ahead and kick it off as we always do to start things off to coach red and uh have him tell us what he thinks the coach that uh, the cleveland browns need to do to uh fix their franchise or you know make it to that next level coach for me, the Cleveland Browns are one of those teams that you make the show for. Unfortunately, we got on this train a little too late because they've already progressed substantially on fixing their franchise. Had a season where they didn't win a game, drafted Baker Mayfield, had Tyrod Taylor on the squad, you know, struggled through. Baker Mayfield finally gets them a playoff win. They are a playoff win. He finally gets a couple wins under their belt. And then they start becoming an attractive piece. Uh, me and Tug were talking earlier in the week. It helps when you can have back-to-back number one picks and you get an elite pass rusher. And a guy that at quarterback is very solid. He's not the most elite guy in the league. He's had his ups and downs. But the big thing for them, for me, Kevin Stefanski coming in, bringing in a heavy run based offense because you have two guys that have both made the pro bowl in that backfield. Kareem hunt, Nick Chubb are bona fide studs at the running back position. Bring in a Jarvis Landry, who is a catch monster. You have Odell Beckham, who for me has never really got on the same page as Baker Mayfield, but he's also been hurt, was hurt last year. And that's when their offense really seemed to explode. I feel like Baker tries to force him the ball quite a bit. Let's focus on their defense. Like I, like I highlighted before you have miles Garrett number, number one, overall pick huge sack guy got the bag uh, last year. And then you go out in free agency and you pick up a Troy Hill to help solidify your cornerback position and then go get John Johnson, the third for safety in looking at their roster as a whole offensive line has been revamped. There's not a lot of holes on this team. So great job by the Browns on doing a lot of the dirty work for us, but we'll, we'll go ahead and put the cherry on top of this one to put them over the top. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is going to be a really quick episode because there's not a lot of holes that the Browns need to fill. And the few minor holes they needed to fill, they already addressed in free agency. I mean, bringing in John Johnson is huge, especially considering that they drafted a pretty high-profile 
safety last year for John Johnson to come in and be able to men- mentor Grant Delpit, that's going to be a scary tandem moving forward. Um, on top of Troy Hill, you know, being able to get in there and help out with Greedy Williams. I mean, they've got these young buck studs in their defensive backfield and I hate the Browns so much. (laughs) (laughs) They're everything you wish the Bengals were right now. They're everything I wish the Bengals were doing right now. I mean, hitting people with helmets. (laughs) Just just going ham. So what do you see as the biggest holes on their roster right now? I mean, obviously their their most glaring need is the fact that Olivier Vernon's out. Um, all I mean, that's all they need to do. They've got Miles Garrett being double teamed on one side. They shore up that defensive line a little bit, bringing in a second pass rusher and maybe an interior defensive lineman to replace Larry Ogunjobi. And I think you're you're set for another deep playoff run. Yeah, my other two sneaky spots are linebacker play. Uh, the middle linebacker is pretty solid. Their outside guys are younger and untested at those positions um and then a good wide receiver three or four they bring back Rashard Higgins they do have Donovan Peoples-Jones on the roster but for me I'm a little concerned about the fit of Odell Beckham on this squad if the wide receiver class wasn't so deep this year I would assume that you could trade him but gosh there's a lot of guys that are available in this draft that can do a lot of different things and why would you trade for the right to pay Odell Beckham a ton of money right now in a down I don't think they do that I mean they've got so much so much going on and this is such a deep wide receiver class I don't see them targeting anybody high um I mean like you said they've already got Landry and and that stable of backs, they don't need to go out and overreach for a, you know, a number one overall. They don't need it. They don't need that number one receiver. They've already got a couple of them on their team. So, I mean, they could address the receiver later down in the, in the draft in that third, fourth round range. Yep. So to break, you brought that up too about him being hurt last year. And I think that's a, reason why you obviously want to hold on to Odell as well to like see what he can do with a full healthy season I mean hopefully he'll have a full healthy season and so that that would change I mean even if he was on the field and not fully healthy that I think for him at least the way that he plays and being such a freak athlete like he has to be at full health like really be in himself because if you're an athlete like that and you know you can't make the cuts that you're used to making and you know you're you're getting frustrated out there so i think that that's the reason they hold on to him too to like you know give him that full healthy season and luckily for baker he probably had the best year of his career last year i mean otherwise he would be part of this musical chairs of quarterbacks going on this year and i mean if he didn't do what he did i mean he might be getting traded as well but the fact that he got their first playoff win and god knows how long um, is definitely solidified his spot as their as their actual quarterback. And he's one of maybe a couple. I mean, now that they've traded Stafford away of like the last 
I don't know, 10 years almost of top five quarterbacks that haven't gotten traded that are still with their original team. I mean, all of them. I mean, Andrew Luck retired, so you can take him out of it, but he was with his. Carson Wentz got traded. Trubisky. Stafford, there's just a gaggle of top five quarterbacks that are not with the original team anymore. Uh, Darnold got traded as well. I mean, no one's in their original spot, but he is. So I think they they definitely have some sort of faith in him. And the fact that he pulled off what he did last year, I think kind of solidified that as being like, all right, this is our guy now. And Dirty, I want to I want to throw something over to you real quick. I'm surprised you didn't talk about how much Baker Mayfield is killing it in the insurance commercial game right now. His commercials are magical. Absolutely. Well, with this, with his commercials, I forgot who tweeted it, but there was one game to where someone was talking about Baker Mayfield has had more commercials on during this game than he has completions right now. Like that's, that's what his game was for a little bit, but then, then he pulled it out and, you know, became got into his own and he, you know, he's just a gunslinger, you know, that's what he does. He gets out there and he just starts slinging it around. And once he has that confidence, he, he's a, he's a little, he's a little mini, mini Favre. Yeah. A lot of love for Baker after after a couple down years. All right. They've got pick 26, right? Correct. Where are they going, coach? I've got – we highlighted their areas of need, and I think their biggest areas of need are that second pass rusher and the linebacker position. I say they either target the top – pass rusher that's available in that spot a guy that I would really like for him don't know if he's going to be available is Jalen Phillips out of Miami gives you the prototype if he is then you've got prototypical size and speed that you like out of a good defensive end he put up good numbers last year at Miami especially with Gregory Rousseau sitting out he got to be the highlight and he's the guy that's been moving up the boards if he's there that's a guy that I target pretty heavily or I go another route Linebacker is my other spot. Take your pick of these two guys. They're they're both a little stretches for 26, but I feel like both of these guys would fit in extremely well in this system. Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa playing. The, I love Koromoa. Love him. He's I know. a heat seeking missile. For for the Browns, great spot. Or let's let's you said heat seeking missile. Let me throw out another guy, Nick Bolton as well. Like those are two guys that I think could flourish on this. And here's my crazy thing. Whoever's, whoever's jolting up these boards, take one of those guys in the first round, couple another pick later, move up in the second round to pick the other one. And then with your third round pick, then go edge, go target like a Joseph Osai out of Texas who should still be around in the third. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it, I think, I think the run on, defensive end is going to determine their pick to 26 if i mean if you're losing out on you know quitty pay will be gone ajulari <clears throat> he's more than likely going to be gone jalen phillips could be gone rasal could be gone and even if rasal's there i've seen him sliding a little bit more just because he only had injury here i i would i would pass on 
on Rousseau and take a linebacker if he was the if he was the top guy available. I mean, you gotta think that there's also Jason Alway out of Penn State. Yeah. He's a freak of nature running a sub four four. He ran a four three three forty at two fifty two. You know what I what I don't love about Oway? Played at Penn State. That he had zero sacks last year. I know what I'm saying. But playing opposite of of Miles Garrett, you know he's gonna he's gonna get there. It just scares me. I mean, you look at offenses, especially in the Big Ten, where they're a little bit wide open. You've got some good quarterback play there, but man, zero sacks in a season it's tough to do especially when you're trying to become a first round pick right you want to see production yeah you do want to see production which brings me to where i think that they could go linebacker zavin collins i do like zavin too zavin i don't like that he plays middle i don't think i think they might skip him just because he does play middle linebacker um, and they're pretty well off. But, you know, I, I see it going one of two ways. They either get their, you know, defensive end in the first round and then go linebacker in the second because Jabril Cox will be there in the second. Yeah. And they love their LSU players. Love them. They do. Very much so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a guy that I talked to you about earlier in the week. Uh, shout out here to the breakout watch on Instagram kind of keyed me into the guy six, seven, 240 pounds plays edge right now. Uh, Charles Snowden out of the university of Virginia, Sam Howell is probably one of the top tier quarterbacks for next year's NFL draft class. And in the game against North Carolina last year, four sacks against him. He's big, long, lanky. He does, in his uh, 40 time, tested out at a 4.8, which I don't love. But that length, you can't you can't teach length, and he's got the body build to add some strength where maybe you could play him a little bit as that rush end in situational pass rushing abilities. But if you've got if you've got a lot of help around him, this is a good developmental project for me, and you could probably snag him anywhere from the fourth to the seventh round. There's a lot of varying opinions on where he'll go in the draft. And, and we, we talked about it a little bit, but I see a lot of Marcus Hunt when I watch his highlight films. He looks like Marcus Hunt, SMU, about, what, six, seven years ago? Yep. Six, eight, 240. I mean, he's built the same. Marcus Hunt's bounced around the league a couple times. He had a couple, you know, eight, nine sack years between Cincinnati and, and Indianapolis. So, I mean, developmental's right. Worst case scenario, you throw him in there to block a couple kicks. <laughs> the Marcus Hunt special blocking kicks so uh, just question for both of you guys <clears throat> excuse me um, let's say they wanted to uh, put a little bit more depth into the secondary through the draft I mean whether it's third round fourth round something a little bit later but they they were devastated in the secondary and I know they picked up a little bit through free agency they got a little bit more depth in that but they were i think either they were top three in most games out of their secondary like players being out and i think they might even been number one like they 
their starters were out for a long time. So it got, kind of goes to show like they do need a little bit more depth in the secondary positions, I think. Um, who would you guys target as far as, you know, a late round, maybe sneaker in the secondary, safety, quarterback, something like that? If we're going late, I really like Aaron Robinson. Aaron Robinson out of UCF causes all kinds of problems. I mean, he is, if I had to sit him, you know, pair him up with anyone in the league, like apples to apples, press corner, he's up there with J.C. Horn. Whoo! Wow. No, 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 I'm saying J.C. Horn. Sunday. Holy cow. The way he plays in Possible first cornerback taking J.C. Horn. I'm saying in press coverage alone, you go J.C. Horn, Aaron Robinson, Patrick Sertain, uh, Caleb Farley, all those guys out of UW that everyone loves so much. They're all products of uh, a zone scheme. Aaron Robinson plays press coverage a lot. The Browns love press coverage. They picked Greedy Williams for a reason. I think that if they're going, I think he could go as high as third. I'm not, <laughs> judge me if you want to. I like him. Just like a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Javon Holland, I like him too. I mean, if they're going third round corner, I see him targeting one of those two guys. My, my guy is, I know you brought up UW players, is kind of like that fifth, sixth round type of guy, is Keith Taylor out of there. Doesn't, doesn't have those freak athletic tools. That's why he's not going to go higher in the draft. But he's just that working man's corner. Puts in the dirty work, good tackler, good recovery skills, but just not an elite athlete. Does a lot of things really well, but doesn't do anything at that top tier level. So for a fifth, sixth flyer, for a depth piece and a good special teamer, yeah, I'll take me some Keith Taylor. See, and I feel like some of those guys, like Taylor, uh, maybe not elite athletes coming out, but like if if they're smart, smart football players they know what they need to do kind of thing once they get to that next level i mean they're not only the thing is like okay they're obviously going to be playing with next level players and stuff but sometimes you forget okay yeah they're going to have a next level coach but you know what they're also going to have a next level trainer they're going to have next level facilities they're going to have ways to become a better athlete than they were necessarily in their college program so i mean a guy like that who's a smart football player who like you said has good recovery i mean does all the things that you want a guy to do and just because he doesn't necessarily have that athletic super freak ability doesn't mean he can't have it in a year or two like if he's playing with guys that are better than him playing with you know some veterans playing with receivers that are a little bit faster he's gonna be like oh i gotta i gotta step my game up a little bit i gotta train a little bit harder and as long as they have that mindset and are willing to do that some of those guys like that, those late fifth, sixth rounders, that's why you see some of these guys becoming some of the best in the game because they have that little extra chip on their shoulder and they're like, oh, I'm going to be the best. I mean, I know that maybe I, I'm not a first round pick right now, but I'm getting picked and I'm going to be 
I'm going to be a pro bowler eventually like that kind of thing. They can get there. And that's the thing. If they have, if they have the tools and they have the mental mindset and that toughness, they can definitely get there. And I can think Taylor can be one of those guys for sure. One of the spots that I highlighted earlier was bringing in another wide receiver. So you, you, the Rashard Higgins is back, just signed a one-year minimal deal. Peoples-Jones still on his rookie deal. What round, Big Tug, would you kind of look for them to target a wide receiver? And what type of wide receiver profile would you be looking at? That's, that's tough. I mean, it really depends on how Odell's going to bounce back for me. I mean, because they've – I don't think they need a wide receiver that badly. They've got Peoples-Jones, and he's – when he's healthy, him, between him and Higgins, they, that makes up that third wide receiver. You've got Odell, you've got Landry in the slot, and you've got those other two outside. If they target a wide receiver at all, I think it's in undrafted free agents. I don't see him drafting one. See, I, I'm I'm more of a third round type of guy for them. Looking looking at and if they do, it's over. going to be in an attempt to redeem themselves because they have been terrible at drafting wide receivers in the past. I mean, now I mean they got the new GM, they got Andrew Barry in there, and maybe he'll be able to help out get a new receiver. But I'm trying to find the stats, but they've drafted like eight or nine wide receivers that have been bust. Corey like, Coleman. Yeah. yeah. Corey Coleman. Josh Gordon. Let's see. Greg Little. Uh, Jordan Payton. I mean, they they just, I mean, they, they miss a lot when they're going for wide receivers. So, I mean, maybe they try it again, but like, like Tug said, like, I don't think they need it. I mean, if Odell is back at his full potential i mean they've they've got if everyone plays like they should that re- receiver core that they have right now is actually pretty filthy like the I'm guys that they got so. when they're at the top of their games yeah i'm Go looking ahead, more toward more so towards their future because higgins is only on that one year deal so guys that i would kind of look at are ones that are bigger body outside guys. So I'd be looking more at the Amon St. Brown out of USC in the third round or potentially a Diami Brown as well. Those bigger body outside guys, good at making the contested catches, have good physical traits. Just put another weapon out there for Baker to succeed. Yeah, and that's fine. You're, you're saying Amon St. Brown in the late rounds? third see and it's so I, crazy because the the drafting it all depends on runs right now what runs does. are going to happen first because you've got offensive line wide receiver and edge rushing runs that will happen you know and they're going to be happening you know late first in the second there's going to be those different styles of runs where who's going to go where are people going to get trigger happy and take some of these guys earlier than anticipated it, it's going to be it's going to be a wide open draft just because there's so much variables with the shortened slash non-existent season for a lot of these guys last year. All right. Where would you put this then? All right. 37 catches, 600 yards, four touchdowns. Wide receiver three. 
wide receiver three. That those are Rashard Higgins numbers from last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got him coming back. You got Peoples Jones coming back with 14 catches, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Both decent, big-bodied guys. That's what you're talking about, and they have two of them on the roster. They've got a third, if you want to count uh, Kadero Hodge. He's on the roster, too, and they're all 6'2", 215 guys. I mean, that's exactly what you're lobbying for in the third round. They've got three of them on the roster. And Peoples-Jones was once touted as a you know, second-round pick, and somehow or another out of Michigan, he fell to the sixth. I know. I was shocked when that happened last year. I mean, you got to give him a chance to develop. I mean, he was touted as that, you know, high second round pick, and then he fell to the sixth last year. He's got, he needs some time to develop. I mean, 14 catches, 300. He averaged 22 yards a catch when he played. He shines. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I, I think that Peoples Jones gonna is gonna develop and eventually take over that third role because Higgins isn't gonna stick around long term. I could see that. Got you gotta target yeah. the defense. Their offense is keeping them in games, outscoring everybody else. You know, keep feeding those running backs. You've got enough receivers and tight ends that you can God, the easily tight end room up. is so stacked. So stacked. They're they're stacked all over the place. That's, That's what I'm saying. The only reason they're losing games is because of a little bit of defense that they need to, to bolster up. And I mean, draft is where that's going to happen. Yeah, I heard Gertie in the background with that offensive line. This is how you help a young quarterback is by getting them an above average offensive line. All these guys that they have on the starting offensive line, most of them are household names. Jedrick Wills that you draft in the first round last year. You got Joe Batonio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, and Jack Conklin. Those are all extremely good offensive linemen. Yeah, and, and, then, you know and then an offensive in a running game with good. it. Yeah, yeah. throwing a running game, give them a great offensive line. Most quarterbacks are going to shine. And with a guy like Baker, who is very – confidence-based player he needs that like if he starts getting sacked too much you know that's when he starts getting a little wild starts acting out a little bit because he does you know have that tendency to um you know have a little bit of an attitude problem and you can see that sometimes like he he plays on emotions for sure and when when it's going right you love it you love that emotion you love him getting pumped up you love him you know running down field like chasing after the receiver, he just threw it to and, you know, say what's up in the end zone afterwards. But when he's getting sacked and he's, you know, not, he's struggling a little bit, you see the emotions on the opposite side to where you're like, oh, oh man, this guy is not seem composed right now. So giving him that kind of offensive line, giving him that kind of running back game, like that's where he's going to gonna be at his best. Also, I think we tend to forget that the Browns were a Chad Henney 15-yard scramble when he needed 14 for the first down in that uh, playoff game. They had a shot to get the ball back and possibly go win that game. They were, you know, a yard short of having a shot to play in the AFC championship, which three, four years ago, if you – 
had told anyone in the world that the Browns were going to be that close to playing in the AFC championship, people would have called you a fool. I mean, Bud Light legitimately had had areas in bars around Cleveland locked up so they could give out free Bud Light as soon as as soon as the Browns won a game. Like they, that's how bad it was. No, they wouldn't have called you a fool. You would have been in a straight jacket locked away because they would have thought you were absolutely out of your mind. And I would have even thought that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm actually, Tug's going to hate me for this, but I did cheer for the Browns for the first time in my life when they were playing those Steelers. Um, and actually, he might not be too upset about that. He might have actually, it's a, it's a he might hate the Steelers more than he hates the Browns. But yeah, I was cheering for the Browns. I was like, for the first time, I was like, you know what? They need this. Cleveland needs this. Like that franchise. I mean, they, I don't know if they deserve it, but I mean, they kind of, it's kind of nice. Like that's, it's one of those teams where you're like, all right, they, they've been down long enough. They, they need a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel to where they're like, all right. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> one thing I want to throw to you, Tug, real quick. We talked about that second pass rush. They did pick up Tack McKinley in the offseason this year. Super toolsy guy. A lot, a lot of burst ability with him. You know, could he be the answer there? I know it's a short one-term deal. Bounced around a little bit. Failed a bunch of physicals, but last year. I mean, before you keep going into this, I'm just going to say no. <laughs> just real quick. Dude, he's had like four sacks in three years for Atlanta. Got cut during his rookie deal. Failed three or four physicals around the league. Wasn't he got signed by the Niners and then cut by the Niners immediately thereafter? He was drafted 27th or 28th overall out of UCLA as a first round pick. Uh, everyone probably remembers him for bringing that picture of his grandma up on, on the, yep, <laughs> up on the on stage. stage it was a big deal. Everyone's like, this kid is come from a hard place he's gonna work his ass off and just really make it in this league and he just tanked tank mckinley (laughs) just i i don't see him sticking around i see him being replaced possibly being that situational pass rusher but he hasn't proven so far in his first four years in the league that he can get to the quarterback at all i've had one sack in the last four years and i'm not even in the nfl (laughs) i mean (laughs) Not only is he inconsistent, he is always battling injury. I just don't see him panning out the way that they want him to. Um, sure, put him opposite Miles Garrett and see if he can drum up, you know, those memories of being a, a Bruins pass rusher. But they also did the same thing back in 2017 when Atlanta was a very studly team. And he couldn't perform then either. I don't know. I think it's a reach. I think it's wasted money when they could have addressed it in the draft. Since since we're on bold take Sunday today, we've highlighted Browns don't have very many holes on their roster. They do have nine picks in this draft, though. Without a lot of holes, what do you say? You just try and move up as much as you can and try and get those top-tier power. Uh, talent guys you know get rid of your sixth fifth sixth seventh round picks 
couple of them move up higher in the second round, maybe even move up in the first round to get one of those pass rushers before they go off the board. The Browns are notorious for trading back, not trading up. I don't see that happening either. I think trading I think trading back this year, I mean, like you said, they're notorious for trading back. I think this year would be the only year it would make sense to actually trade back. Like, because they have all those full skills. So, like, trade back this year, I mean, get get either extra late round picks to where you can find some of these um, hidden gems out there in the later rounds and get a little bit more stock value or maybe even get some future picks. I think if they do anything, they trade back. Um, there's going to be somebody in that, you know, 26, 27 range that's going to want to trade up and reach. Happens every year, someone trading back into the first round that wants somebody, you know, make that trade, bolster a couple second and third round picks, address the address the off- or the offensive line a little bit, get, you know, one of those additional guys that can be go for depth on the offensive line, get a couple good corners, address linebacker, all of which can be done in the second round, especially if you've got multiple picks. All right, lukewarm take Sunday there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, we both like tag team you on that. And you're like, what about uh, trading up? We're like, oh. hell no. <laughs> hell no, we won't go, man. <laughs> now, the only way that I can see it is if, if the run on pass rusher starts, and, and you want to get one of those guys. I mean, maybe not trade up all your picks, but that's their biggest their biggest hole on the squad is that pass rusher opposite of Garrett. So if you want to go get Quiddy Pay, you want to go get Jalen Phillips, you know, it might only take – it might you only have to move up, you know, five to ten spots. And because you're not moving up for a quarterback, the price tag usually isn't as steep. So you could probably throw in a fourth or a fifth. So you're not sitting there franchising the farm against it, and you're still going to have – you're still going to have more ammo for the rest of this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility as well. Um, if they If they're – really you know gung-ho about doing that that's one strategy but i mean i think it's all about depth and i think they find out what their what their positions are to where maybe they have you know some older players or injury prone players where they want to make sure they have a little bit of insurance back behind them and other than that i feel like they've got a They've got a good chance of making another run this year. Um, so, unless you guys got any uh, any last words on the Browns, Browns, Browns? No? All right. I think that pretty much wraps it up for uh, the Cleveland Browns. They've uh, they made some big moves. They made made their first playoff win in God knows how long. People, people fans of the Browns are throwing their brown paper bags in the garbage right now where they belong they're not keeping them around so they can wear them to the games anymore because they can actually show their faces again so good for you guys cleveland good for good for good for the browns organization um as much as big tug is not a fan of them because they're in his division of his team i mean we still got to give our uh, shout outs to the Browns because they're, they're making some moves that are becoming a, you know, contender for the first time in 
a long Come time on, ever 25 35 years like yeah i was probably still drinking out of a milk bottle last time they were making the playoffs so yeah i think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of fix your franchise as always i'm your boy adam dirty we got big tug coach red three average guys being above average gms thank you guys for tuning in again we appreciate you all for listening love y'all and we will uh, see you next time peace